0: Now, ground rules for the audience for this nonpartisan sponsored debate include the following No smoking.
1: This is made possible by Dustin Campbell, Owe oh Them Bones, Daily Tech News Show, Andy Beach, Nick Wood, and Craig. everybody to the politics 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 program for january 11 2023 Your old pal justin robert young joining you from austin texas oh my god am i very glad to be not watching the same vote over and over again on television it was literally driving me insane if you want audio proof, you can download our Kevin McCarthy's Wild Ride compilation that we put on all feeds yesterday. That includes, if you only heard half the story because you aren't on our Patreon, which you should, com. But if you're not, I put all of the episodes together in one episode that you can listen to. If you only got half the story, I think it's some pretty funny stuff. I think it was interesting for uh, uh, (laughs) a recap of one of the more madcap moments in congressional political history. I would like to submit it to the time capsule. Speaking of the time capsule, we are going to talk a lot of history on this episode because there's just... One thing that I can't get out of my craw. There's just one little thought for which will not stop tormenting me. And that is why after 50 years of Iowa being the first state in the presidential primary calendar have the Democrats, only the Democrats, decided to make a change. Now, there's a lot of different culprits here. Harry Reid worked, you know, for the last few decades of his life to try to make Nevada the first state in the union. Obviously, there have been a lot of public conversations about how white Iowa is. And I have not been shy about the fact that I am an Iowa defender. In fact, I'm an Iowa caucus for the Democrats only defender. I don't believe that it's a particularly interesting state on the Republican side because there's too many evangelicals. So you tend to get Candidates that will not win in other states that win in Iowa. See Rick Santorum and Mike Huckabee. But there is something very interesting about Iowa being the first state. Number one, it is used to being the first state. It has a generation of people, both young and old, that are used to it. It's got these political stations of the cross. You've got the Iowa State Fair, where candidates have to go mingle with the hoi polloi and eat corn dogs in hilarious fashion. You have the steak fries, where each candidate has to go turn over the steak every once in a while, the various different visits to Pizza Ranch. There is just something about Iowa that, because it's been around for long enough, you can measure the seriousness of a campaign, and more specifically, it is a state where you can make a dent in the political media world as an underdog. There is a wealth of talent in Iowa that knows Iowa, so you can staff up fairly easily with a fair amount of competence. You can drive All of Iowa, you don't need a plane. And the largest media market is Des Moines, which isn't exactly Abu Dhabi in terms of how expensive things are. Put simply, I don't think that if you win Iowa, you are the favorite, but I do think that if you are an underdog and you can't win Iowa, then you might as well start thinking about when you're going to wrap this up. And yet the same state that made President Barack Obama the one where he put Hillary Clinton on notice and eventually defeated her, the one that made Bernie Sanders, is now being chucked to the side. And not for Nevada like the ghost of Harry Reid would probably prefer. No, for South Carolina, which is already an early state but now needs to go first? No, 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 no. There's something fishy here. There's something that is personal. I mean, hell, the, the plan currently advanced by the Democrats isn't even going to work. They have Georgia moving up and New Hampshire, despite the fact that they both have Republicans in charge of the state that have no interest in bending to the Democratic Party's will. So why? Why? Why is this happening? I'll tell you why. It's because Joe Biden hates Iowa. Start here. The Democrats voted to make history last December by emphasizing and elevating black voices in the early days of the presidential nominating process, creating a seismic shift in the way that America chooses its leaders. Iowa would no longer be the first in the nation caucus under the plan put forward by President Joe Biden and approved by the DNC Rules and Bylaws Committee. At least that's the official story. Because this was advanced by Joe Biden specifically. Joe Biden sent a letter to the bylaws committee putting forward that restrictive caucuses should not be prioritized. Joe Biden deliberately and personally eliminated Iowa from its position as first in the nation. But why? Why? Does Joe Biden hate Iowa? Well, I'm going to tell you. Oh, I'm going to prove it to you. I am going to lay out step-by-step each moment where Joe Biden feels personally slighted by the Hawkeye State. And by the end of this, you will know for sure that Joe Biden has a personal vendetta against these people. Welcome to Politics, Politics, Politics. But first...
0: Thank you. I, too, would like to welcome everyone to the Economics of America debate, a forum we believe will help Iowans be better informed about some of the presidential candidates
1: prior to the
0: Iowa caucuses.
1: Welcome to Iowa, August 23rd, 1987. We are at the Iowa State Fair. This is the year that the Greg Allman Band and Stevie Ray Vaughan with Double Trouble Play that's a little taste of Stevie's performance right there. Sure, butter sculptures were formed. Now, 1960 is often referred to as the birth of the blueprint of the modern primary. But that's more of a revolution and not an application. It's one thing to prove that touchscreen technology can work in a lab, it's another to sell an iPhone. No, the first candidate to truly take advantage of an official reformed primary system on the Democratic side is Jimmy Carter. Great. Here's the problem. Right after Carter, Ronald Reagan happens. And so we can kind of fast forward eight years for the Democrats. But with that, we land here right now, August 23rd, 1987. The Democrats have every intention of taking back the White House and the stats would back up that they have a good chance. And hell, by historic standards, they've got a pretty deep bench running. Getting down to the business, let me introduce the candidates.
0: And may I ask that there be no applause in interest of saving time, Senator Joseph R. Biden Jr. of Delaware. Former Arizona Governor Bruce Babbitt. Jesse Jackson. Massachusetts Governor Michael Dukakis, former Senator, or rather, Senator Albert Gore Jr. of Tennessee, Missouri Congressman Richard Gephardt, and Illinois Senator Paul Simon. May I remind those in the audience, these men are going to be restricted to as little as a minute and a half at a time. If you insist on applauding, They'll have less time to speak and express their views.
1: Not appearing in this debate, but thought to be the front runner of this race, is Gary Hart. Until a scandal involving a boat and a woman that wasn't his wife in Florida, of all states, because it's the best, sunk his campaign. But up there on that stage are two future vice presidents and a future president. Or two future vice presidents and two future presidents if you were into election denial before it was cool. The Democrats also very much want to maximize national face time for their crop of young stars. And with that, something happens then for the first time that we now take for granted. This begins a series of televised primary debates in the year before the primaries are going to happen. This is the earliest they've they've ever been. And by the way, they've only gotten earlier. In fact, I would not be shocked if we begin to get announcements on when the first will be this year in the next month or so. Uh, Finally, Mr. Simon. Thank you. This afternoon,
0: this should be more than a political Miss America show.
1: Now, when you watch this debate, you can really tell how different things are. This is a very local debate. A lot of the conversation here is not necessarily national or at least national outside of the scope that they know they're talking to iowa and they know they're talking to iowa farmers there's a lot of conversation about agriculture amongst all of these candidates and by the way there's next to no interruptions it's kind of boring to most people you know boring like politics used to be back when only us the nerds were into politics There are some interesting things that happen. It's by far the most economically conservative Democratic presidential primary debate that I've ever watched. The Democratic Party very, very clearly got the message in 1984. America liked the way that the Republicans handled the economy. They might not be in love with who it's benefiting, but they did like paying their bills. Each of these candidates goes out of their way to take a fiscal Hippocratic oath before they talk any kind of money. First, do no harm. Michael Dukakis, the eventual winner, pats himself on the back for balancing the budget in Massachusetts as governor. Former Arizona Governor Babbitt gingerly steps out onto the ledge to suggest raising taxes, but only after saying that it would be tied to budget cuts. You know, I'm probably going to talk a lot more about the 1987 primary as we go along. I was initially just going to make this episode about that before I found what I found in a second, and we'll get to that. But the 1987 primary is pretty wild. It's pretty cool. And as we mentioned before, it's got a lot of bold-faced names back in their younger days. So do not be surprised if, as we track our modern... Political primary cycle here that, that we don't go back to this one, but this was one of the moments that I that I kept my eye on. Jesse Jackson asked Biden a question about who should and shouldn't be allowed to buy farmland at lower interest rates.
2: On a very serious note, there is a, a move afoot now to uh, to help bail out the the farm credit system which I support, as I said earlier, but there are three and a half million acres of land in two government-related programs alone. These farmers, uh, the beginning farmers, the uh, new starter farmers, uh, minority farmers, on an affirmative actions basis should get priority over this land and not just real estate developers, Uh, number one. Number two, related to that, would you in fact support an International Food and Agricultural Conference so as establish a floor beneath which no farmer will fall? Reverend Jackson, let me answer the second question first. The answer is yes. Uh, let me answer this first question now, and that is your point that there are three and a half, uh, there's millions of acres and thousands of farmers who've had their land taken away because they couldn't meet the payment. And now what we're doing is we're going out on the farm credit system and selling that very land at a lower interest rate, in effect subsidizing it, to cartels, to out-of-state investors, to syndicates. I think we should sell the land back to at the lower interest rate the very farmers from whom it was taken the effect on the federal government is the same these people are not out of business because they were bad business people and bad farmers they were out of business because of bad farm policy and i think they should get the chance not some cartel out of chicago or new york or los angeles at that lower interest rate i think you're right on both points and wrong on graham (laughs) rudman
1: All right, that wasn't really it. I just thought it was cool that Jesse Jackson and Joe Biden were asking each other about presidential stuff back in 87. I was four, so this is new to me. No, this is what I'm talking about. And it happens right at the end. Literally, the last candidate to give his closing remarks is Delaware Senator Joe Biden. And he says the following.
2: Thank you very much. Uh, I'm proud to be with these uh, six other people up here. We agree uh, much more than we disagree. And I was trying to think how I'd close here today, and it seems to me there's two things that uh, that come through very clearly. Number one, the United States economy has to be revitalized, not just for the sake of America, but for the sake of the whole world. We are the world's last best hope. If our economy fades, Will Japan take over the protection of the free world? Will our European allies do that? The answer is clearly no, we must succeed not only for ourselves, but for the world. The second point that comes clear to me is that the Democratic Party, the Democratic Party has always stood for growth and for hope, and somehow that's been lost for a while in the minds of the public and maybe even among those of us in the party. And I started thinking as I was coming over here, why is it that Joe Biden, is the first in his family ever to go to a university. Why is it that my wife, who's sitting out there in the audience, is the first in her family to ever go to college? Is it because our fathers and mothers were not bright? Is it because I'm the first Biden in a thousand generations to get a college and a graduate degree, that I was smarter than the rest? Those same people who read poetry and wrote poetry and taught me how to sing verse, is it because they didn't work hard? My ancestors who worked in the coal mines in Northeast Pennsylvania and would come up after 12 hours and play football for four hours? No, it's not because they weren't as smart. It's not because they didn't work as hard. It's because they didn't have a platform upon which to stand. That's what my party's always been about. We provide people a platform upon which to stand.
1: This is a real if-you-know-you-know moment. Because real Biden heads know these words. And they know they aren't good. No, 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 no. These words are an incantation. A hex that ends Joe Biden's run in 1987 and only allowed him the political capital to run again in 2008. A run that again effectively ends in Iowa. Tack that onto the fact that even when Joe Biden is successful in running for president, he still humiliates himself in Iowa. And yet, it all begins here. Amongst the butter sculptures and the Stevie Ray Vaughan, this is where... All of the animosity starts, because with those words you just heard, Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. is revealed to be a plagiarist. And we'll explain all of it right after the break. Friends, welcome, welcome, welcome. Uh, uh, As you can notice, the show has a little bit of a new format. We're not going to do guests every week. We will have a guest next episode. Uh, We're going to talk about C-SPAN, the big moment. C-SPAN in the sun and the unfortunate reason why we are not going to get the awesome camera work that we got throughout the last week during the speakership fight. Anyway, Howard Mortman's coming on. He's the best. We do have a new format, and we are going to have ads on this program. If you are listening on the free feed, there will be ads. It'll likely start next week. I don't control it, but this is something that's going to happen. You can always get a free feed of the program at TakePoliticsSeriously.com, and that's at any level including the big tent level. Big tent levels a buck. I mean, if you don't want to listen to pro- programmatic ads and you would consider me coming into your car twice a week and talking for anywhere between 40 minutes and an hour with you about politics and and then you just give me a dollar, then then it, this is exactly what it would be. And and you can just get no ads there for a buck. A buck. I mean, if you spend 3 bucks, you get two bonus episodes each and every week. If you spend $10, you get your name right at the end of the show. I mean, we try to make it worth it for you guys. This is a big year for the program, a big year for you, a big year for me. Let's all do it together. TakePoliticsSeriously.com. South Wales, Neil Kinnock was first elected to the House of Commons in the 1970 general election. He became the Labour Party's shadow education minister after the Conservatives won power in the 1979 general election. After the party under Michael Foote suffered landslide defeat to Margaret Thatcher in 1983, Kinnock was elected leader of the Labor Party and leader of the opposition. He led the party during most of Thatcher's administration, which included its third successive election defeat when Thatcher won that 1987 general election. But it was Kinnock running against Thatcher in 1987 that created a 10-minute commercial, including the following clip. Why am I the first kinnock
0: in a thousand generations to be able to get the university? Why is Glennis the first woman in her family in a thousand generations to be able to get the university? Does anybody really think that they didn't get what we had because they didn't have the talent or the strength or the endurance or the commitment? Of course not. It was because... There was no platform upon which they could stand.
1: Yeah, yeah. Kind of similar to what old Joe Biden said, huh? Kind of similar in the way that only repeating something you've already heard can be similar, huh? Now, in unrecorded campaign stops in Iowa, Joe Biden's team would tell reporters that he repeated that same line about college and legacy and a platform to stand on, but with attribution. But when the lights were on during that debate, he didn't credit Kinnick. Even worse, he buried himself with a little bit of that political charm, saying, you know, on my way over here, I got to thinking, making it sound like this is not something he's rewritten or read, but rather off the cuff. You know, it's theatrics, but everybody understands that when you're saying that, you kind of have to take credit for what comes out of your mouth. This kicked off for the time, a political fight worthy of headlines. Here is a quote from a Associated Press article on September 27th, 1987. Quote, the campaign aide for Biden has alleged that a rival Democratic candidate alerted the news media to the slip, giving at least one journalist a videotape suggesting that Biden had plagiarized Kinnick. Unquote. And indeed... Time magazine eventually reported that it was a Dukakis campaign source that provided journalists with a video combining both clips. Now, we've covered this before on PX3, back when Biden was running in 2020. And this is part of the Biden story that has gotten an increased amount of attention over the years because he was an 0-2 presidential candidate. He then becomes a 1-2 presidential candidate in 20, and he will look to even his record for good in 2024 as the oldest president in American history. But for some reason... The way that it's usually described has always made me think that this was more of an example of a rival campaign trailing Biden and then catching him in a slip up. But it wasn't. This was a debate. A televised, recorded debate with cameras. Now, you might Tell a journalist, oh, by the way, he ripped that off from another politician. But it's not like you were were trailing him. And even if somebody was trailing him, that's always in bounds, especially in our modern world. However you rate Biden's gaffe here, it torpedoed his first run for president. But hell, he's young. He's got his whole life in front of him, especially in political terms. And he had other things to do. Biden presided over the disastrous Robert Bork Supreme Court nomination, to this day the most recent Supreme Court nominee, to be defeated by vote in the Senate. Even in the moment, that was the biggest thing on the campaign's mind, according to the AP again. Quote, what really steams me is that here we are on the eve of the Bork hearings and another Democratic candidate is deliberately trying to undermine Biden who's going to battle on this thing, said a Biden aide. Because Biden is a Senate creature, it's his natural habitat, it's what he knows, it's what he loves, he returns there. He retires his campaign, Dukakis goes on to win... Again, we're probably going to talk about the 1987 primary again later. But right now, we're talking about Joe Biden. All that happens until 2007. Then, in 2007, 20 years later, he decides to run for president again. Which means it's time to head to Iowa again. Again. And wouldn't you know, just like 1987, Dick Gephardt is running. The more things change, huh? Joe Biden announced his intentions to run for president on Meet the Press with Tim Russard on January 7th, 2007. And Joe Biden files his papers to run a few days later. And the very day he does exactly that, he gets on a conference call with reporters and says the following about Barack Obama. The first sort of mainstream African-American
2: yeah. who is articulate and bright and, and, and clean and nice looking guy. I mean, it's that's a storybook, man. Yeah.
1: Here's how it's covered in the media at the time. Speaking to reporters on a conference call Wednesday afternoon, Biden said his use of the word clean was being taken out of context. Quote, my mother has an expression. Clean as a whistle sharp as a tack, said Biden, who said Obama is probably the most exciting candidate that the Democratic or Republican Party has produced, at least since I've been around. Oh, by the way... You might now only think of Joe Biden and Obama from the memes where they're like a wacky buddy cop team. Well, in this moment, young Obama, not yet President Obama, been in the Senate five minutes, Obama. He takes enough time to bury Joe Biden. Quote, Obama later released a statement saying that he did not take Biden's comments personally, But they were, quote, historically inaccurate because, quote, African-American presidential candidates like Jesse Jackson, Shirley Chisholm, Carol Mosley-Braun, and Al Sharpton gave voice to many important issues throughout their campaigns, and no one would call them inarticulate. And indeed, we heard it on this podcast. Joe Biden seemed to understand Jesse Jackson just fine. Great. I think you're right on both points. and Biden legged out his doomed campaign for the 2008 nomination, but it suffers fatal damage. Where else? But Iowa, where he finishes fifth. It technically dies in New Hampshire, where he finished sixth. Which brings us to 2019. In case you need... More, more evidence for why Joe Biden has a very specific personal vendetta against the state of Iowa. We go to 2019. Joe Biden is now the two-term vice president. Joe Biden is a name. Joe Biden has catchphrases. Joe, no malarkey Biden is again in Iowa. And this time, Dick Gephardt isn't. Finally, 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 it is time for Biden to sail. It is an unsettled Democratic field running against Donald Trump. He very much feels that he is the only person that can beat Trump because the Democratic Party is just tilting too far left. And even then, it's in Iowa, that he gets testy with a man asking questions. He calls him fat and challenges him to do push ups or run. you're a damn
2: liar, man. That's not true. And no one has ever said that. No one has yeah, heard on the that. I no? see it on the TV. You see it on the TV. No, I know you do. And by the way, that's why you, I, I'm not sedentary. I don't. I get up and 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 no, let, 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 let him go. Let him go. Look, the reason I'm running is because I've been around a long time and I know more than most people know. And I can get things done. That's why I'm running. And you want to check my shape on, let's do push-ups together, man. Let's do, let's run. Let's do whatever you want to do. Let's keep doing
1: a This, by the way, is the start of the mental decline for Biden, or at least the discourse around a mental decline for Biden, which his campaign hand waves away by saying he has a stutter. And then, of course, in Iowa, Joe Biden does what Joe Biden does best. And loses again in fourth place. Ladies and gentlemen of the podcast audience, the evidence is clear. Joe Biden hates Iowa. Iowa has been nothing but a realm of pain and suffering for Joe Biden, even If Joe Biden never has to campaign in Iowa again, knowing it exists on the calendar is a net negative for Joe Biden. And so what did he do? What did he do? He eliminated it from the calendar, replacing it with states that can't even actually make a date that early, while 50 years of staff and caucus-going voters who have done nothing for the Democratic Party but help vet underdogs and find weak points in frontrunners are left in the lurch. The victim of a political homicide executed by a man who has all the probable cause. That's no malarkey. And that'll wrap it up for us today. Politics, 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 written and hosted by me, Justin Robert Young from Austin, Texas. Our production done by Dog and Pony Show Audio. If you'd like to email the program, it is at gmail.com. Yes, I know I mispronounced Camu as Camus. Uh, Yes, Lit Grads. Trust me, your your complaints have been heard. Your voices made it to me through all of your student debt. I apologize that I mispronounced the French philosopher. If you would like to tweet the show, it is PX3 tweets. If you would like to tweet me, I am Justin R. Young on Twitter share this podcast with your friends and family at px3podcast.com if you are enjoying the new format and you would like to say, hey, thank you for putting uh, some effort into these things. you can give me a one-time donation just a little tip a little tip off the top paypal.me slash. Pay jury, that is P-A-Y-J-U-R-Y. Venmo is Justin-Young-20. Venmo money's not real. That's actually a legitimate scientific fact. Prove it by sending me a dollar. Cash app, P-X-3, cash. And then you can send anything you'd like to me in the mail. P.O. Box, 15-31-84. Austin, Texas, 78715. Again, that is post office box, 15318. 4 Austin, Texas 78715 Ads are coming to this show. If you don't want to ever hear ads, you can head to takepoliticsseriously.com. Cheap as $1. You can never hear a programmatic ad on this program. That's a dollar a week, by the way. $1 every week. For $52 a year, never a programmatic ad. You're never going to have to hear about whatever. For $3 a week, you get two bonus episodes. And that covers all the news that we miss on our free podcasting schedule. And I I will say one of the things that comes along with some of the shift that we're doing here with the show is that if I'm delving a little bit more into history, that means that I'm leaving out some of the TikTok day-to-day sort of news. So like Katie Porter running for Senate, that's something that I will eventually talk about. But in some of the bonus episodes, they will be a little bit more news-centric and You're going to get all that conversation. So if that's something that you think, oh, wow, I I could get that on the show. Now it's not on the show because we're doing this history stuff a little bit more. That's the place to get it. $3 tier. Then, of course, the $10 tier gets your name read at the end of the program like these fine folks on the Titanic. $10 tier. Justin, Jason, Andre, C. Garcia, Matt. Craig Potts, MC Dradio, Unsafe D B Levels, Katie, Amanda, Yeo, Pinball Shop, DP4 Bongo, Catherine, Todd, Persons familiar with the matter and vote Gloria Young for King of the New World Order. Edison, Up Up Down Down, Left Right Left Right, BA Select Start, Doctor G, Neil, Charles, Darren, Hundred Mile Runner, EJ Landy, and Bluefront and the Lanina, DL, Steven, Chad, Nomadic, Terran, Miranda, Janelle, Adam. Chief, Andy, Robert, Casey, Paul is awesome. Brad, Richard, just another pilot, middle-aged Mike who loves Frank, got abducted. Utah, Jimmy, Montana, the Gen A L D -D A-L-D-L-D-L-D, really? Chopper, Andrew, and Joshua, if you would like your name as part of the program, head on over to TakePoliticsSeriously.com. That's where you can get access to all of our patron rewards. Like I mentioned a little bit earlier, we will be back on Friday on the free feed with the great, the powerful Howard Mortman of C SPAN. What a moment for the span uh, over there, man. They, they had the political world by the Babylones with their, their camera work. I mean, and, and really their Mona Lisa. That I hope everybody was watching live, and even if you were watching it on CNN, Fox News, or uh, MSNBC, or anywhere really, you were watching C-SPAN's camera work. Kevin McCarthy charging up the aisle, getting in Matt Gates' face. Matt Gates breaking down and 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 pointing. We're gonna do it tonight. That was all C-SPAN. So we're going to talk to more about everything that happened there, whether or not there has been any movement on keeping C-SPAN's ability to actually cover the House of Representatives the way it should be covered. That'll be on Friday's episode. But until then, this is your old pal Justin Robert Young saying... Some shows talk about politics, others talk about politics, and still more discuss politics. But this, this is the only show that dares discuss all three.